0: Yeah, sure. So it's recording. Say something. Hello. All right. Good. Sounds great. <laughs> great. Yeah. Um, good great levels. Great levels. <laughs> cool. Is your, um, is it Carosa? Yeah. Okay. Just so I pronounce it properly. Yep. That's stuff. exactly right. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm good at that. <laughs> so, nice.
1: awesome.
0: Did you DJ Mike Usher's wedding? I did. Yeah, I remember that. I remember you were there doing that stuff. You do that often?
1: Uh, sometimes um, I haven't been doing it recently since I started a new job I just I just finished law school over the summer. Awesome and so Tom. I'm uh, working as an attorney sort of for now. What kind of law? Uh, intellectual property law so patents, oh. copyrights trademarks that kind of stuff That's awesome so if you guys have any copyright issues do <laughs> right. Yeah let me know
0: <laughs> <laughs> So um, this is the next episode of the hello my name is fanzine podcast. I'm here with Dan Carosa, and I'm here with Guy Drozd in the house. (laughs) (laughs) My faithful, uh, unofficial partner in this. Um, So, Dan. Hello. How's it going today? (laughs) It's going great. Um, So, how did you first, like, you know, get involved in, like, you you know, this whole scene, like, punk, indie, hardcore? Like, when did you first, like, kind of find it? Yeah,
1: um... I think I found it kind of late, yeah, uh, I was like maybe sort of a, a late comer to um the scene in that I in like in like middle school and high school, I sort of became exposed to to punk music, sort of generally speaking, mm-hmm. like you know found like the Ramones and like that kind of stuff and mm-hmm. as well as like sort of maybe the bigger. Bands of the '90s, mm. like your like, no effects and yeah. those kind of bands. Um, uh, a lot of that, like sort of pop punk stuff from there, never really, really hooked me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was sort of digging back into older bands. Like finding, finding a band like Fugazi was was really big, and mm-hmm. then get sort of getting into all the discord stuff um, and all the the punk and hardcore indie rock stuff. that sort of came out of that um i probably i don't think i started going to shows like diy shows mm-hmm. until i was maybe a junior in high school because i just didn't know what yeah. was around like i didn't didn't yeah. have like an older brother or like older friends or anything mm-hmm. that knew about it um i knew a couple knew a couple kids in high school that went to shows um and i think my like first experience going to like an actual sort of like underground show was going to a basement in Chictawaga to see every time I die. Okay. <laughs> 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 like, that was like my like first experience of that kind of stuff. And that was yeah. probably like 2001 ish. Yeah. Um, and uh, a lot of the medical stuff never really did it for me either. Like, I went to a bunch of those shows because uh, that was what my friends were going to. And that was sort of what I was like, oh, I guess this is what this is now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then finding. From there, finding, like, the Custer houses and going to shows at 99 Custer and 29 Custer and, um, I guess, like, the short-lived, like, Hey Dude Record Store and mm-hmm. Access, like, those um, those spots were big for me in, like, I'd say early college. I started going to, those sh- like, those shows a lot. Did you
0: grow up here in Buffalo? Yep. Yeah. I
1: grew up in, I grew up in Clarence, um, yeah. went to UB, lived here mm-hmm. my whole life. I moved this yeah. point, a lifer until something else happens. <laughs> <laughs> <Nice>.
0: <laughs> um, so let's say so what I want to talk about as part of the interview, I want to talk about your band. Yeah. Um, have you been to other bands other than the Mall Walkers?
1: Not really, like I've done like there is a there was like a pre Mall Walkers band that played a couple shows and put out a tape um, that was called Meth Mouth. I remember that. That we played like a couple shows quarter tape and then that band sort of merged into Mollockers when mm-hmm. our guitar player Alex, who was also in Skate Corps and Wayork mm-hmm. and some other bands, um, he moved. Uh, and so we sort of reformed um as Mollockers. That was sort of my first Mollockers I would say is my first sort of like real band that's mm-hmm. done stuff like put out records, play out of town, play yeah. a lot of, a lot of shows. Um, so how would you describe Moho if you had to describe
0: yeah. someone yeah. who hasn't heard you guys?
1: Uh, it's tough. Um, <laughs> I've, well, I've actually, with the, with the new record coming out, I've had to write like press releases and yeah. that kind of stuff. And so I've sort of described it as, or at least is what I hope it is. It's sort of like, like funk infused punk rock, I guess, like shorthand like that's sort of what I've Mm -hmm. described it as like when people Who maybe aren't super versed in? In punk and whatever I I sort of like throw out bands like um, Like the Ramones and the Mm b-52s and Funkadelic like those are like yeah <laughs> like three bands I was like all right maybe maybe you'll know who those bands are and maybe they'll give you an idea yeah. of what of what is going on so like all those bands are sort of part of the stew of of mall like kind of equal parts mm-hmm. in my brain anyways equal parts sort of like early like New York City punk stuff mm-hmm. um into sort of like maybe kind of arty no wave and new wave stuff mm-hmm. um as well as trying to um, incorporate sort of like funk and dance elements. Yeah.
0: So how many people are in Milwaukee? It's it's like it's huge. Yeah, it's
1: sort of it sort of has stretched at times. Um, Currently, there's nine members. And so it's um, myself currently myself. It's myself and Jazz Frazier on vocals, Mm -hmm. um, Stephen Floyd on bass, Stephen Schmidt on guitar, uh, Jason Bowers on drums, um, Norell Merlot and Tony Flaminio on saxophone, mm. uh, Chelsea Merlot on trombone, and Mario Finone on trumpet. So, and that's yeah, been sort of yeah. the makeup of the band most of the time. Like, we've had people come in and out. Um, but I think like nine people has been sort of our number for a couple years. You
0: guys all practice?
1: <laughs> uh, it's been tough, especially recently, uh, like Jason moved to Brooklyn like about a year ago. Yeah. And so, it. I mean, we've been practicing like if he comes into town for a show. Yeah. It's, it's been tough. Um, before that, we sort of, we would have practices before shows and um, we, to write songs, it would be kind of a mix. Like sometimes it would just be the guitar based drums would get together, then we'd add horns and yeah. vocals of later, sometimes we try to incorporate, um, uh, the horn section early on. Uh, but it, yeah, it, it can be tough just getting people one, getting people all on the same schedule yeah. to fitting everybody in a tiny practice space. Yeah. And then even if you get everybody in the tiny practice space, we're in a small practice space with kind of a bad PA. And so yeah. like being able to hear everything that's going on, yeah. like a lot of the times. I'm not even sure what the song actually supposed to sound like until we go to the studio and record it. And that's it's like, oh, this is what <laughs> this is what's oh, supposed to be a... <laughs> happening this entire time. It's, it's yeah, it's really strange.
0: <laughs> so like, you have nine people. So how, like, you guys have played out of town. if you like? Yeah. Like, how far have you played?
1: Um, when we put out our previous record, we we did like a ten day thing where we uh, went to the East Coast and the Midwest. How was- hard is
0: it to? with nine
1: people (laughs) it was it was it was an experience I had really never done any sort of touring before yeah um and or I mean I guess really since uh we played a couple out of town shows since then nothing nothing serious hoping to do some more Mm. in the future now that the new record is out but uh it I was I had no idea what to expect in terms of like how people were gonna get along or you know what are like you know Sleeping situations are gonna be like, you know, that kind of stuff and it worked out fine at least the first time Um, Yeah, pretty much everybody got along Mm -hmm. Uh, We you know, it was surprising that we had places to stay pretty much every night that could accommodate us like Mm -hmm. a couple times You know people would you know sleep in the van and stuff some almost out of a sort of a, a Like just to keep the gear and (laughs) and the van safe idea more than you know absolutely needing to, Mm -hmm. Um, but I think the one thing that was really surprising to me that I didn't expect was just how long it would take everybody to use the bathroom in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) It was like it was nobody's, it was like no one's fault, but it was. Like we would you know everyone would get up, and you know we would take like an hour and a half to go anywhere just because mm-hmm. it was yeah, like nine people, yeah, it's yeah. like you know it's <laughs> nine people someone' <laughs> used to ba- people' used to the bathroom for like you know ten minutes each and it just adds up, yeah, uh, nice. which is That's a long time, <laughs> yeah, which is you know, but everyone, I think everyone everyone did a great job, yeah, and nobody you know no one really got on each other's nerves that cool. much to you know as as much as you can expect when you're crammed in a van yeah. with. Nine sometimes we had up to 11 people like in the van we brought our friend Jenny who did backup vocals and danced mm-hmm. and then at various points I think a couple other people like hopped in <laughs> and so go. it was a <laughs> It was a yeah, it was an experience.
0: Awesome um, So you guys are you might tour in the future and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, it sort of depends on sort of all of our schedules like you know, I started a new job so my schedule is sort of yeah. up in the air Everybody's sort of at different places mm-hmm. in their lives, and so yeah. it's tough. I think that the plan, hopefully, is to at least try to do two or three weekends where we, cool. you know, go to these coasts, play the big big cities in these coasts. Maybe yeah. do a Midwest thing where we hit up like you know Chicago, Cleveland, you know, yeah. that, that kind of thing. First, first we got West. Last time was Bloomington, yeah. So maybe push slightly farther. Maybe try to play it. We never we haven't played up in Canada yet, which is sort of annoying to me. Yeah. Um, right there. So <laughs> we're hoping to we have some connections there now. So yeah. hopefully we can make that happen. Very cool. Um that's sort of all kind of in the works, but it's all you know, it's yeah. it, again it's so tough with so many people it's just to get everyone on the same page. So
0: uh let's talk about uh Sugar City. Sure and uh so where did where did the idea for sugar city come from
1: um i think the i guess maybe it came from a couple different places so starting as a collective everyone sort of has their own kind of mm-hmm. ideas um uh we started meeting and discussing it in 2008 yeah um i mm-hmm. say so like early 2000 like january or february mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it was, like, some people that came from, sort of, like, college, like, art scene. Um, uh, Amy Bouye, who's, like, one of the driving members of the space, um, she had been doing shows in her attic on Minnesota, mm-hmm. and it was, there was sort of, like, a, a hodgepodge of, like, there would be, like, weird art stuff, there would be sort of, like, non-traditional bands and be, like, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, You know, I I would go to those, and I was friends with all those people, and then I was also experiencing sort of, I guess, this like the other scene of like going to shows at you know the Custer houses and access and stuff, and so I think the idea was sort of we would kind of like meld all of these things into Mm. a semi cohesive um, space. I know um, one of our main missions was to make it legal (laughs) like to take to kind of take what was happening underground and bring it above ground so it could Mm -hmm. be you know properly promoted and people could access it without having to kind of be in the the secret club kind of thing and all ages was a was a big part of it too like buffalo didn't really have a sort of legal all ages space at that point with I think maybe Extreme Wheels was around yeah. then, but, I mean, that space had its flaws. And Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, and aside from that, you had, you had the bars, which, you know, most of them are accommodating, but um, we wanted to do sort of kind of a specific yeah. all-ages art and music venue that was open to everybody that was also easily accessible in terms of it'd be, it would be cheap to rent and be very transparent in terms of how yeah. everything was run. Mhm. So you guys
0: had the spot on Wadsworth yep. before. So what happened with that? I mean, you opened it and what why did yeah. that why did that go away, I guess?
1: So it opened in January 2009 mm-hmm. and you know, it was we had a lot of issues there, but it was it was great for the mm-hmm. most part. Um the main reason that we stopped doing Events there was that the building sold. Yeah. Um, the our our landlord who was great to us. Um, she owned uh, a handful of properties in that area, and uh, during the financial crisis of two thousand eight, two thousand nine, her husband who was working here lost his job, and Mm -hmm. so he got a a new job um, somewhere in the south, I think maybe Tennessee. And so they decided that, well, you know, we should, if we're gonna move there, we should sell our properties here Mm -hmm. so we're not, you know, absentee landlords or whatever. Like she, our our landlord Wendis uh, took a lot of uh, care in rehabbing all the houses and making them energy efficient and Mm-hmm. all that stuff um it was also a really interesting coincidence that um she was uh the sister of calvin johnson who was the founder of k records mm-hmm. and also in the band beat happening and oh, cool. some other bands and so it was like a a weird sort of serendipity like when we started talking to her and we were like oh if she <laughs> even yeah. though she wasn't like what we we're doing really wasn't her wasn't really her bag, but she at least got it. Yeah, and so it was a, so that was a really cool thing that worked out. And we yeah. we had various issues throughout the space with like, you know, some with noise complaints. We had some issues with the city, but mm-hmm. um, for the most part, we kind of rode all of those out, and it was a really good learning experience. And ultimately ended because uh, the building was sold, mm-hmm. and the current owners who now run uh, Pausa Art House yeah. um, in that space wanted us out so they could do their own thing
0: yeah so i mean what was the time frame between like the closing of that location and the opening of the new one it
1: was it was a while i can't remember exactly how long it was it was at least a year Mm -hmm. and uh it was it was tough we had a lot of i i'm sort of surprised that our group survived that Mm -hmm. that time period Mm -hmm. um we sort of the sort of like leadership group sort of solidified around like maybe seven or eight people. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, you know, while we were looking for spaces, we kept doing events. And so we kind of I feel like we sort of kept our, at least our name out there yeah. and we kind of kept the momentum going. Like mm-hmm. in the meantime, we, we did the show in the um, in the subway stations that yeah, got a lot back. of attention. That yeah. was super fun yeah. um, and went surprisingly well. Um, And we also, we collaborated with a lot of different groups in that time, and we're always with the eye on trying to um, find a new spot. We had a couple spots that we thought were going to work out prior to finding the spot in Niagara Street, but they fell through for various reasons. Mm. And so, ultimately, the the reason it took so long is that if you're a small organization that wants to do public events on a budget, it's really tough to find a space mm-hmm. that's going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to do it properly in terms of permitting and all yeah. that stuff, um, you really kind of have to find like a, an old bar mm-hmm. or even a church or something that was previously zoned with sort of all the zonings you need, mm-hmm. or else it's going to be cost prohibitive for the landlord or you to really do it Mm -hmm. um if you assuming you want to do it totally legally which is what we did Mm um and so uh andy zuba had some connections with um, our current landlord and he showed us um our current spot at 1239 niagara street and it was it was a wreck. In there. <laughs> like, we went in there, we we're like, you know, size wise, this is kind of perfect location yeah. solid. Um, and it was like, this is before Resurgence Brewery opened up and people started talking about Niagara Street as being mm-hmm. like a street that's starting to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, I think our current landlord, who's been great to us, um, I think he's sort of viewed us as um, a positive thing for the community and also a thing that would help um, sort of buoy the neighborhood and being like you know this is sort of a, a positive thing that's happening in a building that was totally empty for yeah. at least a handful of years um, before us um, in the i think the 70s and 80s it was a lesbian bar called compton's oh. which apparently like a lot of people have like stopped by and said that like that that bar like meant a lot to them oh, in that in that era, which was which was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, and then I think immediately before it was abandoned, I think it was a strip club, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> possibly called the Players Club. <laughs> um, and so we found a lot of interesting stuff when we were knocking down the walls oh, really? and like, in terms of like you know stuff written on walls and it was, nice. yeah. And so this, the building was, like I said, it was it was really, it was really a wreck in there. So we, um, went in there and did as much sort of, uh, like labor as we could to kind of keep the costs Mm -hmm. down. Um, the landlord hired, uh, contractors to do all of the, like really skilled work, like, Mm -hmm. you know, installing, you know, doing all like the plumbing and all the kind of stuff that you can expect lay people to do. Um, but you know, we, you know, tore up the floors. Um, Amy installed a new floor in the front that's pretty incredible looking. Yeah. Um, you know, it. we did way more work on that space than I ever thought we would ever do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, and so, so it's one of those things it just took. It just took a long time and then with with all that, it took a while for us to get all of our permits. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but, you know, eventually everything got sorted out and We've hit the ground running and been doing. We had we had a, a short stop and start where, we were told we were the building was going to be totally ready and we had stuff, booked. Yeah. Um, but, the building wasn't ready, and so we tried to make a go of it for a short period of time, but then it was just we just couldn't. Mm. So we, shut down for a couple months, but then once that all got squared away, we've been doing stuff consistently for. So over a year now. So what kind Uh, of events
0: are happening besides like shows? Like you're you're having like music shows, art shows, stuff like that. Yeah, it's
1: literally literally anything that anybody wants to do there. Um, So we've been do in terms of music shows, it's all all over the map Mm -hmm. from like like punk and hardcore stuff to like um, like experimental music to Mm -hmm. sort of like like chamber music and like jazz Mm -hmm. and um you know hip-hop shows Mm -hmm. uh pretty much everything um have front room is set up to be like a small gallery Mm -hmm. um and in both in the front and the back we've had readings and comedy shows Mm -hmm. um this guy john shuto just moved to new york he had been doing like a monthly comedy show there that Mm um has was surprisingly well attended, considering that um, Sugar City is an alcohol-free space, and yeah. so I kind of thought that would like put a damper on people coming out to a comedy show. But people showed up, and it was it was great. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, it's kind of literally anything you can think of. Like the, for me, sort of the impetus was having a solid performance area because those are the kind of events that generally require more work in terms of finding uh, a legal spot i feel like you can kind of get away with like readings and that and um art shows yeah. it, more places but if you're doing stuff that there's where's it going to be um like a lot of noise yeah. <laughs> or a ton of people like you kind of be more worried about yeah. uh permitting and yeah. dealing with the police if you need to and that kind of stuff um but we've you know, we've, we've hosted kids' birthday parties. <laughs> like, i heard about that, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> those are a few of them, actually. It's, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, literally, the whole idea of the space is for people to kind of make it um, what they want it to be. So it's been
0: pretty trouble-free then, right? There's been no, like, uh...
1: Yeah, I would say. So, like, we've had a couple, like, sort of bizarre incidents mm-hmm. that have been totally isolated, but nothing yeah. nothing bad. Like, if you want, like, a interesting story for... One of the problems we had, yeah. um, uh, we hosted a show, uh, the, I think squeaky wheel, um, had a hand in booking, uh, with this sort of German performance artist called ankle pants. And if you want to check this guy out, I would look him up online. He's got a very, um, interesting, uh, performance like outfit. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, and, uh, so I, I wasn't there when this all went down, but apparently when everybody was setting up for the show, um, a bunch of police ran in, like armed with guns drawn, and said, everybody's got to get out. And everybody's just like, what? <laughs> like, what's going-? And so it was, I can't remember what time of year it was, but it was like a little chilly and rainy. So everyone went outside, went to the corner and just stood there. And what apparently shook out is that somebody called in a hostage situation in the building next door mm-hmm. and so they evacuated the, our building they checked all the other buildings there was nobody there they had they shut down the street for like an hour wow it was it was nuts um <laughs> And then they left, and everything was fine. So, it was a really, yeah. Um, but yeah, like that's, that's just like stands out as being like a really weird thing that happened at one of our shows that is totally not indicative of anything that ever happens or has happened since. Um, but like aside from like sort of like random incidents like that, it's been, it's been pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Um, We've been doing sort of enough shows to kind of keep our finances in good shape. We've got we got a couple of grants, which is nice. Um, we, when we were um, sort of in transition, we received a sizable grant from the Robert Rauschenberg Foundation, um, which was surprising because we sort of make a point of not getting into kind of the competitive grant because It can be. I don't know, sort of unseemly. We also don't really have the time for it as like a totally volunteer space. You don't really have the, the time to try to apply to a bunch of grants. A lot of the grants are also program specific. Mm-hmm. So we'd be programming stuff for the grants. But this was a uh, a grant where sort of anonymous people um, offer up sort of local institutions as being uh, eligible to get a little bit of, of seed money. Mm-hmm. and. A little bit of seed money for most organizations is a lot for us. Yeah, and so um, we got an email one day saying that we had won uh, this um, this grant that we didn't apply for, and so we all immediately thought it was a scam. Yeah, <laughs> because <laughs> who's just gonna send us an email saying you got a bunch of free yeah. money? Um, but it ended up being a huge help. Like we, um, it is a grant for uh, ten thousand dollars a year for three years. Awesome. Which is a huge amount of money yeah. for a small organization like us yeah. um and it really helped um in giving us the wiggle room to kind of make the plunge into the new and bigger space that's a little more expensive than our previous space but yeah. worth it in terms of um being bigger and being more flexible knowing to do a lot more stuff
0: so you know you said you want to keep everything like super legal and everything yeah i mean, uh, I mean
1: the
0: you saw what happened in san francisco last yeah time. Was it last week or earlier this week? Uh, Last
1: week. Last week. Yeah. I mean, is that the reason? Mm -hmm.
0: I mean, would you say that's like the main reason Uh, why?
1: I wouldn't... I mean, I I think, again, different people in the group have different uh, views on this stuff. Um, Like, you know, I think everybody in the group has been to shows that were probably as sketchy as as that in terms of um, safety issues. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I remember going to a couple basement shows... At spots, I won't bother name. I won't name uh, that. I remember standing like by the stairs because they were so crowded, and I was yeah. like, "Well, if something yeah. <laughs> horrible happens, <laughs> I guess I'll try to save myself, <laughs> <laughs> selfishly." Yeah. Uh, but for me, it was more about um, sort of like long-term viability yeah. and being able to um, have the freedom to promote our events and truly make it an open space where we can go to, you know. We can go to, if we want. We can go to high schools and be like, you know, we're having this, we're having this sh- all ages show. You know, parents can drop their kids off yeah. and that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I think some people in our group maybe had more of an eye on safety issues, mm-hmm. um, but I guess you know our space is probably about as safe as a two hundred year old building that's made out of wood can be. <laughs> you know, it's like you know, it definitely has issues in terms of you know of you know if it catches on fire it's probably yeah gonna be not be good but there's you know there's enough exits there's fire extinguishers there's Mm -hmm. you know there's all that stuff um so yeah we definitely try to keep everyone's safety Mm -hmm. in mind as much as possible and that's also for me that's sort of why the alcohol-free aspect um also kind of Jives with the mission of the space, mm. in that it it sort of cuts down on, um, sort of, you know, people people being stupid and yeah. hurting themselves or others. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's just going to happen anyways. Yeah. Uh, but it definitely it, it cuts down on that, and uh, and, uh, and of course allows us to be all ages and accessible mm. to everybody.
0: Cool. Very cool.
1: Um, so, you got anything
0: to add, Gus? no i was gonna just mention it seemed like you mentioned access and yeah hated earlier yeah. like if if those were yeah kind of an inspiration almost
1: yeah definitely i would I, I mean going to spaces like that and you know experiencing an above ground yeah. show that was you know totally run by sort of the the scene i guess for lack of a better term Mm -hmm. and people that were directly involved with it Mm -hmm. um you know solely for the idea of you know promoting you know the bands and the artists themselves and you know not having music as sort of a a sideshow to you know sell drinks and stuff i feel like that's Mm -hmm. um that definitely made a huge impact Mm -hmm. on me and then you know reading about other spots around the country like you know, 924 Gilman or Mm. AS220 in Providence or ABC No Rio and places like that that had similar sort of Mm. messages. Um, But yeah, being able to go to those spaces locally definitely made a a huge impact. And then also them, you know, them ceasing to exist and sort of realizing how fragile a a spot like that is and then subsequently learning how hard it is to kind of keep a space like that going (laughs) and the amount of work it takes to, to... keep the doors open.
0: So because you're a collective, like if, like how many people are involved with like the whole thing?
1: So we have sort of like a loose, um, loose structure. Like we are a incorporated entity Mm. now we're, uh, and we're a 501 C three not for profit. Mm. Um, so we have like a legal board. Um, but most of the decision making happens within sort of like a eight Person group Mm -hmm. um, that's um, we sort of loosely refer to as the sugar citizens, for lack of a better (laughs) term, a a phrase that I did. I think I strongly disliked at first, but I've (laughs) grown to accept it. it, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, But those are sort of like the like the main like organizers of the space. Then we have sort of like a broader volunteer base of um, I would say maybe like. Twenty people that volunteer pretty regularly, and then probably like as many as like fifty or sixty people that are on the you know email list that will volunteer you know every once in a while, um, and sort of being able to bring different people into the mix has been um, sort of a mission I think going forward. Um, so if anybody like wants to be involved in the decision making processes. They're more than welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, when we first started, we would have sort of like monthly or even more frequent than that um, meetings where we would sort of get into the nitty gritty of like, this is what's going on with the space. This is, you know, this is where we are sort of budget wise. This no shows coming up. This is what's going on with, mm-hmm. you know, dealing with the city or dealing with neighbor stuff. Or, you know, these are things we have to do to make the shows run more smoothly. Um, but we found that we sort of like would lose a lot of people <laughs> at those yeah. meetings because they can get really dry yeah, like dry. like <laughs> I've learned way more about like building codes than I ever thought I would like <laughs> doing this space um, so we for the new space we sort of tried to take the tact of sort of splitting things off into having a sort of like sort of like board of directors kind of setup where we have Sort of like the eight people that are involved in terms of like the nitty gritty of um, the legal stuff and the financial stuff. Yeah. And then we have monthly meetings for volunteers who want to get involved. Um, and then we've also started experimenting with different committees. Like we have a art committee now um, for people that want to be involved with just you know helping out in the gallery. Maybe they don't want to you know maybe they don't care about music or the other stuff going on in the space, but they just want to, you know, help out with, you know, visual art stuff. And so, um, I think going forward as we sort of all, you know, get older and take on more responsibilities in other aspects of our lives, I think sort of trying to split everything off into committees, I think is probably going to be how it goes. Um, but with any, with this, something like this, it's, always (laughs) always <laughs> really really hard to tell yeah. um and if anybody wants to get involved um we have volunteer meetings first tuesday of every month mm-hmm. um and they can email us at uh, buffalo sugar city at gmail.com um or just come to an event and talk to somebody that's working there um we try really hard to have one of the uh sugar citizens or board members at every event mm-hmm. and so somebody will be there be able to answer pretty much any questions about the space cool
0: well i thank you for uh, coming down and talking to me about yeah. sugar city and your band and, thanks for having me um i appreciate it and good luck with the space and the band and all that stuff yeah
1: thanks so much i'm thank i'm really glad you're doing this podcast there's not a lot of local podcasts so this is yeah. exciting
0: it's just starting but you know, hopefully <laughs> get better <laughs> thanks again yeah thank you all right That's fun.